Hello, hello dear friends. Welcome to this video that I was uh, invited to record through the Pranic World Festival, which was supposed to take place in Italy, but due to the quarantine, it has been cancelled. So I was invited to make a video, okay? Uh, in order for it not to be so monotonous, just me speaking all the time, I invited a friend to ask me certain questions. So it's going to be like a conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Let's go ahead. Hello, Marcus. Could you tell us the difference between fasting and being nourished by prana? First of all, we have to make sure we understand the word prana or pranic. But what is prana? It's the same thing as chi, word that comes from China, or ki that comes from Japan. It is simply the energy that maintains the whole universe alive. Nourishing oneself, isolating only prana wouldn't be right. We can't isolate it because everything lives or is alive through prana. Um, also, my jacket. <laughs> My jacket and anything else that has the consistency of an atom is pranic, is prana. An atom is also life and is pranic. This is all for us to understand what prana is. It is a word to talk about the energy of the universe or the source where we come from. As far as fasting is concerned, it is inadia, which means not eating or in China, it is called bigu, which also means not eating. That would be fasting. You take liquids, though. Inedia is a prolonged fast, like 10 days, 21 days, 40 days, or more, 60 days. When you fast over 60 days, which is like two months, then we can say that that person is in a state of inedia or of prolonged fasting. But here in the festival, people also talk about breatharianism in the Pranic World Festival. Uh, we should understand the difference between a breatharian and a non-breatharian. There are different classifications. The first one is that a breatharian really only lives lives thanks to his or her breathing. But everybody who comes here, well, they are people who still have a habit. So if I take liquids, I am a liquidarian. That is, I still have the habit of drinking. Then we have the fruitarians who have the habit of taking fruits. Then the vegans, the vegetarians, and finally, Carnivore, carnivorous people, who are the majority of the population. It is all based on a habit. If I say I am pranic, but I still eat every once in a while, I would then not say that I am pranic, because this would not be the right word. And depending on the food that I eat, if I still eat meat, for example, I would still be called a carnivorous person. Because all these phases are no more then stages in the process of letting go of a habit because we can observe something 
And this is very easy. Let's say someone still takes liquids, like in my case. I am letting go of liquids, but I still feel, um, if I still feel that I have the feeling of detox, this means I'm still addicted to liquids. This is what we have to understand. While there is still a dependency or a need for food or liquids, I am not really a breatharian, right? And fasting means dropping food, but still drinking, right? Is this clear? <laughs> I hope so. Um, what, what is your opinion about the different pranic levels that they talk about? Well, I've just tried to talk about the, this confusion. I think they are talking about five levels or so, but really there are only levels of addiction or of dependency. If, if I am, let's say, a liquidarian, like I said in the example, if I want to stop taking liquids, I might still feel the feeling of addiction. And then if I start eating, I would feel toxicity in my body. So we can see the difference here. The levels that they're talking about are misleading. They tell you um, that you can be pranic, but that you can eat as well. It's got nothing to do with that. First, pranic is the wrong word. And second, it's the degree of being free from dependency or addiction to something. The purest is being a breatharian. And below that, below that state, we have different states of dependency. This is really what my body tells me naturally. All the rest, the levels and so on, are a way of misleading people from my point of view. They classify them... Uh, it's their classification and interpretation, but if you look at it physically through your body, you're addicted. While you eat and you still want to eat, that means that you're addicted. Okay. After that um, comes a state in which you stop eating. It's a different quality. You don't feel any addiction anymore and you are in a state of liquids. If you want uh, to drop that state, then um, you go to the next step. They're all stages of addiction. Okay, could you tell us a little bit more about the mouse and the antibodies that we release when we ingest physical food? Yes, mouse is the monoamine oxidase. These are antibodies that are generated when there is poison in your body. Nowadays, we know that the mouse were first discovered through cheese because cheese is like rotten or fermented milk. Your body reacts against these fermented foods very strongly with the antibodies. But the truth is that your body reacts against any kind of food and even any liquid with these antibodies. This means clearly that your body does not want any food. If it wanted food, it would not release antibodies. And your body needs these antibodies because otherwise you would die when you ingest food. Food is something your body does not want. This is clear. Only by observing the reaction of my body when I eat food can I see that the body does not live thanks to food. 
Is the function of the mouse clear now? I hope so. So this means that the food does not nourish our body or the cells? That's correct. If food was really nourishment, your body would clearly welcome it. But this is not the case. The body reacts against it. Do not give me this. No, 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 no. It reacts releasing antibodies, which treat food as if it was a virus. It's easy to observe that your body doesn't want that. Uh, and, and just one more thing. I can hear people saying, no, but I can feel hunger. <laughs> but what is hunger? How does it happen? Hunger is the transition period of detoxing. During this detox phase, we feel hunger. And to cover it up, we eat again. And sooner or later, uh, your body adapts to the situation. Many people have asked me, why do we have intestines then? Our body was really cre created or generated through our habits. It is easy to see how we adapt. Humans can live in the North Pole and also in the desert. The body adapts. And if big changes come, then the body reacts somehow. If you are used to living in the desert, for example, and then you go to the North Pole, your body will not be able to stand it, and it is going to have some kind of reaction. This is also what happens uh, when you suddenly let go of food. Your body reacts trying to adapt to the new state, and during this phase you might feel hungry or the detox process uh, happening inside. It's very easy to see this with food. For example, the Japanese are very used to eating raw fish. Um, but if you give this to other people, they might almost die intoxicated by the fish because their bodies are not used to or are not adapted to this kind of food. Our reactions are not something that your body wants. They are habits. What piece of advice would you give someone who is trying to free himself or herself from the need to eat? First thing I would, the first thing I would tell them um, is, why do you want to free yourself? Who wants to free himself or herself? Here comes the sweet dog who wants to be stroked. <laughs> well, the first thing you have to ask yourself is who wants to free himself or herself? When I want to free myself, it's the ego that feels something that it likes. But it is a kind of fight. Mm, when I do things and when things don't flow, it is not going to be harmonious. In the end, I'm always going to lose. <laughs> this is why I suggest you should know yourself better. Get to know your body. Start fasting. Start doing intermittent fasts and observe how your body is going to react. And like this, slowly and steadily, you regain the natural state of your body once again. Mm -hmm. What... What physical, em emotional, or other changes have you observed since you've stopped eating physical food? I've seen many 
interviews of people who have made the change and they reported improvements of their eyesight, for example. Others have had growth of their hair. Um, I have lots of, I've had lots of different experiences. And the only thing that I've had, that I've noticed is that I am, I am more sensitive to the things I perceive. I'm more, let's say, more lucid. I have more lucid dreams. I feel people more. For example, I can feel what you're thinking. Don't be scared about it. It's just that this capacity has developed inside of me. Uh, but I haven't had any physical changes. I still have my hair. <laughs> Emotionally, I discovered the connection between food and emotions afterwards when I started giving retreats. And when I observed that it caused a lot of anxiety in people, uh, anything related to food and so on. Tell us a little bit more about the free retreats that you offer. What activities do you do? We do the most difficult activities of all. <laughs> Truth be told, we do not do much at all. Or better said, we do nothing at all. <laughs> because I like the philosopher of Lao Tse who said, in the absence of doing, everything is done. And so it is with our body. In the absence of doing, your body lives. You're not controlling your breathing. You do not control your cells or your heart. But all these things, replacing your cells, the rhythm of your heart, well, you can increase or decrease the rhythm when you're more peaceful, but you do not control the impulse. And the same is true for your breathing. If you want to control your breath, well, uh, you might faint. And then uh, you cannot continue breathing uh, or controlling your breath. It's not under your control. All these aspects show you that all the basic things that you need are out of your control. And it's something divine. Going back to the retreats, we discover our bodies there. These retreats are generally short, just two, three, four days, which are dry days. That is, we do not eat and we do not drink, of course. And like this, we explore something about us, a physical change, and we understand the changes to what degree we are detoxifying our body, observing our hunger, observing our anxiety, which is really the motor which, which, wakes, which makes us feel hungry. You have a certain physical state that reacts, but mainly the state that you interpret as hunger comes through an emotion, an anxiety. And you want to calm this anxiety with an emotion, which is food. Food is an emotion. Behind every desire to eat, there is an emotion, which you experience as a positive experience. So in these uh, retreats, we do two kinds of fasts. The first one is about not eating and not drinking. And the second fast is about the fasting of words. By not speaking and without any distractions, you will see yourself and listen to yourself. And this is something divine. You see things that you might have covered up in your daily life. And this might help you understand who you are and how life really flows. This is something that you can discover and it's something that I offer for free. Uh -huh. So you do not do things like meditations or specific breathing exercises. 
I've been doing this kind of retreats for three years and a half, and I started with lots of activities like vipassana meditations or pranayamas and many other activities. And I realized that they were a distraction. It's something that distracts you and prevents you from seeing. Um, the perfect thing is to be in silence, allowing everybody to know that in these two days they can speak and say what they want to say during, during the first day, and then the following 24 hours we won't speak. There are no distractions. In this state of no distraction, you can only discover yourself. When I do an activity, I can't see myself. To my mind comes a story by Krishnamurti about a disciple who went to see his master, telling him, Master, Master, please show me how to meditate. So the disciple sits down properly in a lotus position, closes his eyes, starts breathing, and he thinks he's, he's meditating. At that point, his master starts rubbing two stones, making a lot of noise all the time. Like this, constantly. To the point when the disciple opens his eyes and asks, Master, what are you doing? And the master replies, I'm polishing these two stones so that they turn into a mirror, and like that I'll be able to see myself. Then the disciple replies, Oops, master, master, you're mad. This is never going to be possible. And the master replied, Well, this is the same thing you are doing. With an external activity, you won't be able to see yourself from the inside. That is, the less activity there is outside, the more I'll be able to see myself inside. This is the reason why we don't do meditation or any kind of distractions, to see and to listen to ourselves. You always affirm that it would be good if we stopped identifying ourselves with the body, with our personality, and we started acknowledging that we are beings of light. How, how would you define a being of light? A being of light? <laughs> That's me. The question should really be that people should ask themselves, to what degree am I not a being of light? To what an extent do I play the role or a role of something that I am not? Let's say, for example, now I take on the role of Marcus, thinking I am Marcus. So I have to ask myself why I assume, um, I assume something that's me, uh, is that me? Because the natural state is that I am a being of light, which is nowadays accepted scientifically. So why do I assume that I am that? How do I get to that idea? And only silence um, and certain breaks in your routine will help you see 
who am I and what am I doing? You discover this when you don't do anything because you're programmed to do things productively. In school, in our education, we're always taught to be someone. But how do I get to this idea? Who's taught me this? Because I am a light being. I do not need to be more light. But I assume the idea of the shape of my body. So I come to, I come with these ideas and these traumas and I manifest them and I forget who I am. I forget my origin. This is a big problem nowadays in our society. People who think that they are what they are not. It is the personal lie. The, the personal lie is to believe that the person in the mirror is me. This is the basis of all kinds of problems, diseases, and so on. When I see someone in the mirror, this separates me from the whole, huma the whole of humanity. Because even if I know that we are one, even if everybody knows that we are one, seeing the person in the mirror separates me psychologically. And this is why all this is so important for me. I feel my being in myself the same way I feel my clothes. I also feel my body. And it's a very nice feeling, something that you cannot explain, only experience. Mm -hmm. What do you think about life and death? And we're also, we also wanted to know if you believe in the possibility of eternal life in the body. Life and death. Many people say that death doesn't exist. So I ask myself, if someone thinks that death, death doesn't exist, then life shouldn't exist either, because it's the opposite. How is this relationship between life and death? Life and death are only words to let go of our clothes. Many people believe that when we're born, they enter uh, this body like putting on new clothes. And when my task is done, I abandon my clothes. But the truth is that we are eternal light beings. Life and death in themselves do not exist. The only thing that exists is the change of our clothes from my point of view. It's just one more point of view. I do not have a direct opinion. Um, it is how I experience the feeling with my clothes. I feel I am not that. And I feel that I do not uh, need to prove that. I feel it deep, deep inside of me. So when you observe that science tells you that we are all cells and atoms and that cells do not know death, then why do we die? Uh, you do not have to die physically because the cells, first, first of all, as we have seen, do not need food. And secondly, they can live eternally. So, why does death exist? Death is really caused by food. Food causes the aging of the cells and the fatigue of the cells. Filled with toxins, they age and wear out. And like that, the energy cannot circulate properly anymore. We know of autophagy, which was researched and the Nobel Prize in 2016 confirmed that when I stop eating, automatically those cells regenerate. So just 
uh, with this, this example of autophagy, um, we have the proof that the body regenerates itself. Uh, this is the clearest proof that I do not need food. Food damages me and ages me and ends up killing the body. Is this clear? Mm -hmm. With autophagy, are stem cells generated? Well, stem cell cells generate from nothingness. Uh, you were first a spark of a stem cell that came from the subtle planes to the physical, physical planes. And these cells appear and build and repair your body. It's nice to see, but we only can see this when fasting. It's really curious. Well, and also when a child is born or in fertilization, we, we, we also see that. But from then on, we only see this phenomenon when we fast. After 14 hours of fasting, according to the discovery, the stem, cells, the stem cell is born and it repairs your body automatically. That's why fasting is the cheapest and most effective medicine there is. Your body regenerates automatically because it does not have to fight against the toxins that come from food or medicines. So um, it has time to self-regenerate and heal itself. But at the same time, we should observe why we get sick. Because if I am consciously a being of light, I cannot get sick. I can only get sick when I assume that I am the body that I see in the mirror, that that body is me. And a disease always comes from an idea, from a personal lie, from the personal lie, the trauma, a false idea that comes to my head and manifests a disease. You can observe this very clearly with cancer. What is cancer? It is a slow suicide. I am not loving myself, and through the idea of rejecting my, myself, I generate cancerous cells that end up killing me. It's very easy to observe, very simple to understand. Okay, how, how did your new life, new way of life affect your social life? How did your friends and family react? society. <laughs> Our social life changes, it transforms. Before you had certain relationships, you lived differently, you worked and all that. In my case, I changed my point of view about myself. But there are people who stop eating and they go on with their, no their normal life. Uh, it should not really affect your life much, but it helps you to observe your life differently. I went through this process and I also quit my, my job. Why should I continue doing something that I don't like, I thought. So yes, it increases or it helps you to increase your awareness a little bit. Um, also, the process of stopping the intake of food is not a kind of achievement or a level that I want to attain through the ego. It's a process of awareness. If I am more conscious about my body, I am able to let go of food more and more. It's not a degree of becoming more pranic or whatever. It's a matter of awareness. It's all a degree of consciousness. My life is 
obviously has obviously changed with my awareness. And of course, if you are in an environment that you dislike, you work and so on, you start to let go of things and you start devoting yourself now to your real task. Um, if I am conscious about my body and that I am using my body, uh, then I am not using it through the ego because the ego is only an idea of myself, the idea of Marcus, and it wants certain things. If I let go of this idea through consciousness, my being manifests automatically and it is going to guide me about what my task is. Socially, I don't really have a problem because I don't feel different from the others. I do not feel a distance from other people. In the social networks, people mainly look for each other because they are alone or they want to, to get acknowledgement. And the exchange is not bad, but what, what is the purpose of this exchange? It's good to ask oneself, I am, am I looking for this uh, when I use it? Or uh, am I only doing this because of anxiety? But my social life is fine. Now I'm here in Buenos Aires with my friends who allow me to stay with them in their house. And I do not always stay with them. I also go for walks. I go to the park. Using my life. Because living is not only having programmed a programmed rhythm. Many people can observe that they work uh, looking for money and living the ideas of someone else. My life is different. My life is trust. Everything that I need comes to me and it comes to all. Of course, maybe what arrives is not something that I want. But that wish comes from the ego. If you do not have this wish, then life flows perfectly and everything that you need comes to you. Mm -hmm. We also wanted to ask you about this quarantine Uh, that you had to go through here in Argentina. What is your opinion about COVID-19? <laughs> For me, it's all a show, a gigantic show that allows me to reflect upon the fact that people don't see that the virus is something that is not important at all. Nobody's going to die of the virus if your body is healthy. There is enough to get adapted to it. Our bodies adapt and defend themselves automatically. One can be resistant to any kind of poison, so nothing happens. But all that show, forcing you to put on a face mask and they confine you in your house. When I go to the street, I don't wear a mask, only when the police comes. And um, when they are gone, <laughs> I take it off again. I just, do, I just do it so that they don't bother me. It's important for me to do things, for me to feel well, uh, to feel free. And I see people are paying or accepting a price for their freedom, all based on a show about something fictitious that has been created. For me, it does not have a mental effect, but... I can observe this mental effect on people. Everybody is responsible. Everybody is responsibly putting on their mask and scared if someone else doesn't wear it. Who is an enemy? They look at people as enemies. It's a paranoia. 
Yes, a paranoia that is generated, and rather than uniting humanity, they are separating us more and more. People are accepting it, and in their ignorance, they don't see it. This gives me a slight sadness, and it will probably generate more problems, because we are one. I cannot live separated from someone else. We are one. Anything that anyone feels affects me. So my wish is for other people to be happy, for other people to have the same things that I wish. If he or she is happy, I am happy too. But people don't see this yet. It's not a concept. It's a universal law that they do not understand. Okay, and to finish, there are some people who wanted to know, mm, well, how do you see the world in the near future? <laughs> in the near future, talking about nourishment, we're going to go back to paradise. Um, when one sees the expulsion or the fall from paradise, how did it happen? How did it happen? We once were breatharian and we fell when we started eating and drinking. And what was the first fruit they offered us? It was the apple. And that's when the fall started. We became addicted to habits and this dependency prevents me from feeling free. If I depend on something, I will never be free. I will always live with a certain kind of anxiety. If this anxiety means that I am not at peace with myself or with others, then there will never be peace on earth. And talking about this, we should really start letting go of habits because it's the only way to generate, generate peace in the, this world. And one part of this dependency is caused by food. It doesn't mean that you should not enjoy food, but you should be aware of the fact that you are addicted, that it is a habit. If I have a dependency on food, I will always be anxious when I don't have it. You can see this when someone is alcoholic, for, for example. It's an extreme case, but in the retreats, that I do, um, when not eating for two days, many people start feeling an anxiety. We should analyze our anxiety and our dependency because habits come from certain anxiety. They come from our ignorance about who we are. As I said before, we are light beings that are using a physical body, not a physical body hunting for money, going from one place to another, pursuing pleasures or wishes. This is what has taken humanity to destruction. We should now um, go back. We fell from paradise and now it's time to let go of habits. One part of this is about being aware that we have a habit of eating. To be free, one can drop this habit slowly and steadily without forcing the process which, with, uh, which could be counterproductive. Mm -hmm. If we do that, there's a problem with the battery. Okay, uh, let's continue. To go back to 
paradise and to feel at peace, we have to let go of our habits. Uh, we can observe this habit of eating and slowly and harmoniously, we can let go of it. You can observe that many people do the 21-day process, for example, and 99.99% of them go back to eating. So why is that? The truth is that they have not really understood why they're eating, that, that it really is a habit. And how do we get uh, to this habit? If I do not understand the steps that have uh, taken me to the degree of dependency on a habit, then I won't be able to let go of it. I can try to force it, and many do so, but most people with, will start eating again. You have to understand that there is an emotion behind it. Well, there are three factors of why we eat. Of course, it's our education. We were prepared for it. Second, it's a habit. We, were physically, we become physically addicted to it. And emotionally, food represents love. Um, that's the emotion behind food. When I feel any kind of anxiety, I look for something that's going to calm my anxiety. And that drug is called food. I have to understand this. And when I understood the different factors that make me eat, I can start to let go of this state. Okay, healing the emotions, and like this, um, it's a soft and pleasant process because you feel lighter, happier, and freer. With these words, I am going to say goodbye to you. I, I hope you enjoyed it, and you can always uh, write to me um, if you have any question. Okay, bye-bye, and take care.